Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Welcome, everybody, to the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Seth on the road on his way to Baltimore. Sean Palmer, you know what? Still in New Jersey. How are you doing, Seth? Hanging in. Just half hour outside of uh, Baltimore. I'm down here. I wish I could say I was down here for a Ravens game or for the All-Star game or for anything. Um, Because I think think our hotel is right outside Camden. But I am about a half hour... 40 minutes outside the city right now. Well, Baltimore is lovely this time of year. It's good to know that you're in a harbor-type area. There are lots of places yeah, to go, walk by, around and so on. As long as I'm not by where they take the wire, it should be good to go. That, my friend, is in a different part of town that I hope you are not staying yes, in. No. And speaking of judge, jury, and executioner, last night it seemed like Aaron Judge no, that was, was back no. to... Uh, yeah, well, it seems like Aaron Judge was that to uh, just about everybody last night, putting on quite a display at the home run hitting contest. Well, I mean, it, it was, it, what I understand, it was the ratings were up almost 40%. It's a, you had some big names in there. You had, you know, Giancarlo Stanton represent, representing Miami. Um, you also had Justin Bohr, who did a really good job. And there you have Bellinger from, from, from L.A., who typically would be, considering what his rookie year has been, would have been the superstar. And then you have Aaron Judge, who is just a man-child. There's really no other way to describe him. Um, and, you know, they hit four home runs. And, again, it, it's glorified batting practice. So, 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 so take it for what it's worth. But it was, you know, four home runs over 500 feet. And he didn't look like he straight. He looked like he could have gone for for a ten mile run when he was finished. Well, that's part of the home run hitting contest, and it's glad to see that the All Star Game and the festivities are coming back into play. Part of this is that the game does not count. So, for the first time in I believe about fifteen years, the game doesn't count. The All Star winner will have absolutely no bearing on home field advantage in the World Series, and for me, that's a good thing. What about you? It's a good thing in regards to the in regards to it shouldn't have it shouldn't have constituted home field advantage for the World Series. That was ridiculous. But it is kind of sad that in my mind, and I think in yours as well, the best of the all this is the best of the All Star game, and really it has no value. And I'm not sure what a value what the value should be. But I kind of wish it, it, it was more than just, as I said, just a glorified exhibition, nothing more, nothing less. Well, it's, it's been a glorified exhibition for a very long period of time. In fact, prob- I believe the first All-Star game was back in the 1930s. And it's been a glorified exhibition yeah. Yeah, for, for that entire time. The difference was back then, for those that are not the historians, is that the money compared to what 
players were earning at the time was substantial. So you'd earn maybe 10% right. of your salary winning that game. And today, with players earning $10, $20 million, when you're earning maybe $50,000, now to you and I, $50,000 is a great sum of money, but to these players, when they're earning 20, 100, 150 times that, it's not really all that much. And so they don't take, well, one would say they do not take the same pride in the game, try as hard. The risk is certainly greater for this game than it would be for a regular season game. And there's no real benefit to winning. So it's a glorified exhibition. It is the, to me, it is the best of the, the all-star games amongst the sports, but there is one other thing that is involved. The fact that if you rewind 20 years ago, the only time that you might see these players was in the all-star game. I mean, I remember tuning in when I was a kid and you'd see the lineup of of players on on the first base side, the lineup of the players on the third base side. And if I didn't go to Shea Stadium at the time when the Padres were playing, and I didn't watch it on TV because I didn't have cable, this would probably be the only time that I would see Tony Gwynn play. And the same thing for you, let's say, with, I don't know, Lou Whitaker or Alan Trammell. Well, actually, they were in the same division. But but similar concept is that out-of-town players you didn't see as often. Right now, you can turn on TV and watch any team. I could watch Ichiro play in Miami when he plays every single night if I wanted to. I could see Robinson Cano play every night in Seattle if I wanted to. And I think that that takes away from the allure of what was once the Midsummer Classic. I think it's valid. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to really argue with you. As you said, all these games had much more meaning when the bonuses that were received for winning them were of significance. And while they may be, they may be of significance to 98% of the populace, that certainly does not include professional athletes. So, you know, I'll, I'll watch it from some bar, from some bar outside Camden Yards, probably. And I'll enjoy it for a couple. But it does. It, there's no. I don't care. And it sounds bad for someone who's, I guess, a sports radio show. But you know, it, it's an exhibition. I'll watch for a couple innings, and that should be more than sufficient. No, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I, it's unlikely for me to watch the entire game tonight. For that same reason, it's a glorified exhibition. And more to the point, it may not even be a full crowd. I could go on MLB.com yesterday and buy two tickets behind home plate up in the rafters, which is where I actually like to sit, on the third tier. I could buy them for $200 apiece. So if you could still buy tickets to the stadium, for this glorified exhibition, I don't think you're going to see uh, too much of a game. I mean, it's a game. It's It may end up in a tie again. I mean, it's not really something that – it's not must-see TV. And to that point, I have a question for you. Are you surprised that the other sports, let's say Major League Soccer um, and any other sport, the next couple of days are completely devoid of sports? The, the two Major League Baseball doesn't start again until Friday. So you have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday and Thursday, where there is almost no sports on in 
on TV at all. I would think Major League Soccer and other sports, even minor league sports, would take this opportunity to play a lot of games and to showcase their talents, and it just seems like that hasn't happened. Well, let's be fair. Maybe they are, but would you really know? I mean, well, I did look on. I did look on the list. I did. I did look on the. Uh, I mean, I'll look again. But I believe, as of yesterday, there was very little on the schedule. Um. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just surprised. Of, not, not really. Uh, it's kind of hard to say. Okay, you know what? I have two days in the middle of July that are going to be the end all, be all. And, you know, and, and, and bring us from a second-tier sport to a first-tier sport. Or, or have, I don't think, it's not, the timing is bad. You know, the, the, it's the middle of July. There's a reason that it's the dog days of summer for sports. And I don't, the fans are going to, you know, stock MLS fans are going to watch regardless. Non-MLS fans are not going to watch regardless. I don't think it has – I don't think there's something that they're going to do in the middle of their season, which is going to be the impetus for a huge impact or a huge increase in any capacity. The only way that I know that you can increase, you know, soccer visibility for the, for the MLS is to have them – is realistically to have them playing against the big teams the Juventus, the Real Madrid, things like that, where the people who follow those teams but are not following the MLS may go and watch and say, oh, you know what, that, that's a draw. You know, the MLS is not what it was 10 years ago. There is, it has a little bit more credibility. You know, maybe this is worth watching. But it's, it's, it's a mid-season, to watch a mid-season um, game regardless of, sorry, regardless of uh, – you know, team for the MLS is not going to matter. I, I just don't think it matters. Okay. Okay, so let's turn our attention to one of the sports that does have viewers this week, and that would be across the pond in England, which, once again, it's that time of the year where Seth gets to talk and Sean gets to listen because of two <laughs> things. First of, all, we, first of all, we have Wimbledon in full force, and we have what's known as the transfer period in Major League Soccer, not Major League, sorry, I'm sorry, in European League soccer, of which if you thought the money in the NBA was nuts, again, fully astonished by the money that has been transferring in the European League. So, Seth, I will let you uh, choose which of these two lovely sports that you are <laughs> such the expert and I am such the novice in would like to talk about first. All right, well, I guess we'll talk tennis because, well, Oh, because it's, it's kind of the most relevant. Um, the reality is when it comes to women's tennis, without Serena, without Serena, what are you looking at? You, know, you have Venus. I mean, look, the Williams sisters are still, you know, the, the biggest names in the sport. With Serena out on pregnancy leave and with Venus, well, 37 years old, uh, now playing, she, she just made the semis today, nobody cares. It's just, there's no other way to put it. It it has fallen so far, you know, at one point, now even if Serena was dominating, 
you had Sharapova, or you had Kim Kleisters, or you had Justine and Ardette. You had names. Can you name the number one player in the world right now in women's tennis? Uh, you mean without looking it up? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't name somebody in the top five in women's tennis right now without looking it up. Well, well that's exactly my point. So you have that, and then, and then in now, yes, uh, Rafael Nadal was was um, was upset 15-13 in a fifth set tiebreaker yesterday. But the problem is, you still have uh, you, at the end of the day, you're still looking at the same thing you've always been looking. You looked at for the last seven years. You have Andy Murray, you have Roger Federer, you have Novak Djokovic, and you have everybody else. And Djokovic has been awful this year. Murray's been inconsistent. Um, Federer's probably the favorite, which makes sense considering this is, he's won this, you know, how many times? You know, you have Miles Rionic, who's pretty good. Marion, Marion Silich has been fantastic so far. But outside of the baseball, nobody knows who these people are. Um, and it's a problem. It's a, it's a problem that the sport has become stale, and I don't know how you fix that. You can't make people have char- have charisma. You know, you can't force it on somebody. And you know, the guys who who they expected to kind of pick up the mantle and have who are that charismatic, a Gayomon Fields, a uh, Nick Kiprios. You know, they're nice players, but you know, Kiprios has made I think one semi. You know. Joe Wilfred Song has, I think, made one final of a Grand Slam. Uh, Montfields has, has made a semi, has made one semi, the U.S. Open semi last year and won exactly two games. So what are you looking at? You're looking at the same thing you've been looking at for the last five years, and eventually it becomes stale. And that's where you are with tennis. It is stale. Um, as for soccer, well, I mean, I'm not – I'm an expert only compared to you, but in, I mean to talk about the, the one big name that's moved. There's been some interesting things. There are the rumors that Cristiano Ronaldo is going to leave Real Madrid because of his tax problems, and that Madrid has not backed him. But no one really believes that's going to happen. Wayne Rooney, you know, after 15 years in Man U, goes back to his hometown team in Everton, um, and they get they spend 75 million to get Everton's number one player. Uh, over Chelsea. That's really it. There's a lot of... I, I know the EPL. I know a little bit about Spanish League, La Liga, but I am not going to... I'm not the guy who's going to be going through every name in La Bundesliga <laughs> and talk about those guys. I just can't. So, sorry to disappoint you, buddy. Well, that's all right. I mean, I know that there was a loan given out today of somebody, which I can't pronounce this guy's name. Hold on a second. Let me find it. Um... And I that James can't quite understand. Yes, it was James Rodriguez. I don't really understand the loan concept with the permanent. It's like you're leasing a car with the option to buy. And uh, That's exactly it, what they're doing. James Rodriguez okay, so, was one of the was a World Cup star um, I, a couple years ago. Went to Real Madrid. No time, got no playing time. So what they do is they loan him out to another team for like for a year, for two years, and then typically, and now the rule is they can never play against that team. So if you if you are on Man U, 
and you loan him to Chelsea, he can't play for Chelsea against Man U during the period of the loan. And then typically what happens is one way or the other, either at the end of the loan, either they have, there's an option to buy out or, there, or there's an option to take him back. Um, and, and usually the salary is somewhat I believe the sal- I believe the reason that they do it also is the salary, I believe, goes to the loanee, the team receiving the person as well, which is why it's helpful for a real who may want to get some money off of their cap or what, off their salary or whatever it is. You're really stretching okay. for shit right now. <laughs> if we're talking tennis and we're talking soccer in the first 15 minutes. Oh, I'm not stretching for it. I'm just biding my time before we start talking about the Knicks. So I, I'm not stretching at all. I'm just trying to figure out. First of all, I believe you just cursed on the air, which we probably should avoid doing in the future. I tried to, I tried to we, avoid you, the seven words from George Carlin, but occasionally it, 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 it slips through. Yes. So if you'd like to call in and, and chastise Mr. Caymans for his use of bad <laughs> words, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. And if he does that again, I think we're going to try and invoke this song. That was my thought process. 
And once again, this is the team that it's now almost 20 years ago, there was a center on the Chicago Bulls who was 6'11", who made the all-rookie team and had a heart defect. So the Bulls were not going to sign him. They weren't even going to tender him. And out comes Isaiah Thomas, not only to tender him, not only to sign him, but to give two first-round picks to the Chicago Bulls so they can have the ability to sign a guy to a six-year, $60 million contract who the Bulls were never going to sign. They were going to let him go. <laughs> His name was Eddie Curry. Eddie so, Curry. I don't – I don't, throw, I don't put anything past these New York Knickerbockers. So what happens last week? I wake up one morning. I look on my phone, and there is the alert that the New York Knicks, in their infinite wisdom, have signed Tim Hardaway, a guy that they traded four years ago for the rights to Jerry and Grant, who they then traded for Derrick Rose, who is now being released in order to sign Tim Hardaway Jr., now, the signing I was okay with because, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a decent player. He's young. He's long. He's six foot six. He plays shooting guard. Not that they don't have one of those. His name is Courtney Lee, but whatever. And then I look at the price tag. Four years. $71 million. And I just shake my head again because every single time I think that the Knicks – are doing something wonderful, and I can give them credit. They just poop down my throat. That's not one of the. That's not one of the six, seven. That's not words. one of the seven words. That's how. But that's how it felt. That's absolutely how it felt. I started gagging at the amount of money that they were giving <laughs> to a guy that does not pass, that does not do anything but shoot. Now, to be fair. He did average 18 points, four rebounds, and four assists after Kyle Korver left, and he was the he was the main option in Atlanta. But he will not be the main option in the New York area. And in three years, we will be looking to trade his 17. And I say we because I've been a Knicks fan for 41 years, and it's not like that's going to go away. And uh, we're going to be looking to trade his 17.7 million dollars with. Oh no! Wait for it a 15% trade kicker on top of it. Yep. Oh, to be oh to be a free agent when the New York Knicks come running to you. And then the Celtics go and trade Avery Bradley, and all of a sudden, Contarius Caldwell-Pope is a free agent. And I guarantee you he will get less than four years and $71 million. Boggles my mind. And then on the other hand, we have the N-E-T-S, Nets, 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 who, unlike the Knicks, have put together, after the debacle that was Billy King, a competent front office with a guy from Sean Marks, who was in San Antonio, and then Kenny Atkinson, who was the coach under uh, Budenholzer in Atlanta, who coached under Popovich in San Antonio. So... Obviously, they're in a terrible position because of what's happened. We, you know, we've talked about the trade ad nauseum, the, the Pierce, you know, which has brought the Celtics to where they are and brought the Nets to the, you know, the worst pick in the draft. So what are the Nets doing? They're 
they, they're so far under the cap that what they can do is they're trading for guys who have one or two years left in the contract who the, who, who the other teams want to get rid of so they can accumulate assets. Hence, the Mary Carroll, a good player when healthy. They pick him up. They pick up a first-round pick, a second-round pick. And they get rid of Justin Hamilton, and suddenly you look at the team, and they're not good. But they are somewhat interesting. And are positioning themselves to not be an embarrassment. And to be in all these contracts are off the books in two years when, there should, when, the free, when they start getting their picks again. And when, there's, when the salary cap steadies, they're not going to be in bad shape. Yeah, I got nothing, dude. I got nothing. All all I want to do is I want to trade James Dolan for any owner in sports, including including Dan Gilbert, any any owner in – sure, whatever. I mean, it's it's that bad. I mean, it's really that bad to be a Knicks fan and – Look, I, I'm the guy that has possibly the worst ownership groups in almost every sport as my teams. But it, it is every single time I think that the Knicks are on the way up, they're on the way down. And now it looks like they are looking to trade Carmelo Anthony as they have tried before. And, you know, it's funny, Seth. We, we talk about this Tim Hardaway overpay. And I really thought that this would be the worst news of the week. But it wasn't. It absolutely wasn't, because just when you thought that the Knicks were making a good move, they were bringing in David Griffin, the general manager of the Cavaliers, the ex-general manager of the Cavaliers, the the general manager that won a championship two years ago, has gone to three consecutive finals. You would think, this is a good idea. Let's do this. Let's give this guy the keys to the kingdom, not Phil Jackson, who never did the job, not Alan Houston, who's never done the job, not Steve Mills, who just signed Tim Hardaway to a four-year and $71 million contract, not those buffoons. Let's give it to a guy that actually knows what he's doing. So, so David Griffin, according to reports, comes in and says, these are my terms. I need X, Y, and Z, which basically means I need to get rid of the existing structure, which means I need to supersede Steve Mills, and I need Alan Houston out. Oh, you mean the Alan Houston that has never done anything, except take six years and $100 million from James Dolan? Nah, we'll just keep what we got. We'll just keep Steve Mills. We'll just keep Alan Houston. Sorry, David. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I, I, Seth, I, I don't understand it. I just don't. It, it just goes on and on and on. The only thing that could get better, the only thing that would make this week better if you're a New York Knicks fan, is Carmelo Anthony traded to the Houston Rockets for Ryan Anderson and two second-round picks because the Knicks need Ryan Anderson like a hole in the wall. A second-round pick from Houston won't be worth anything. But we got him off our team. Yeah, we got him off our team. Carmelo was earning $25 million for two years. Ryan Anderson is earning $19 million for three. Please, let's do this. 
Now, Seth, I know that you have to go, so this is probably a good time to start to, to stop you. I'll continue on for another five minutes, and then we'll see you next week. All right? Okay. Have a good one. All right. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, All right. Yep. So we've got two more minutes to go, and uh, we're, we're going to cut this, this, this show short. We did promise a show every, every week on Tuesday. So, so far we are committed. We've made it through June into July, and here we are, baseball season, the drudgery that it is. So for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com. Check it out. BackSportsPage is back up and running and doing very well. Compliments to Randy Zelia. A very happy birthday to my grandmother, who will be pro buyer, who will be turning 92 on Friday. 92 years old is quite an accomplishment. You've seen a lot. You've taught me more than I could ever hope to ever hope to learn. It's been amazing. And I can't wait to spend that time with you in Arizona coming up. I'll be leaving tomorrow. All right, so next week, same bat time. No, same bat channel. We'll check on the time. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.